Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, February 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So here's a question for you. What in the world are the markets going to react to once this trade war business is resolved one way or another? I swear, every day there is some move in the market, and I hear pundits saying, blah, 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 trade war. By the way, I'm told things are going well this week on the trade war scene. The U.S. and China have started outlining commitments in principle on the most contentious issues, according to news reports. Reuters called it the most significant progress yet. I still think that when it's all said and done, the reality won't be much different than it was when all of this started seven months ago, but I guess we'll see. Gold hit a 10-month high on Wednesday and then sold off yesterday. The price of the yellow metal knocked on the door of 1350, hitting 1346.73 at its high point on Wednesday. 1350 has been a significant resistance level, and the metal once again bounced off of it. The yellow metal was due for a technical correction, and it definitely got one yesterday. There was heavy profit-taking by short-term futures traders following recent good gains. Then there was this week's Fed news, which I'm going to get into in just a minute. The dollar index is set to decline about 0.3% this week, which would be its biggest weekly fall in about a month. The greenback has been under pressure on, you got it, hopes of a U.S.-China trade deal. There was some more bad economic news this week. You might recall that last week I talked about some really bad signs in the retail sector. Well, there are some really bad signs in the manufacturing sector as well. First, the durable goods report disappointed. The number came in up 1.2% in December from the previous month, but that was below expectations. Even worse, the latest Philly Fed print was, as Zero Hedge put it, an absolute shocker. The regional manufacturing business index collapsed from 17.0 to negative 4.1. It was the first negative number since May 2016. Meanwhile, we got the minutes of the January FOMC meeting, and all of a sudden the pundits are getting hawkish again. All of the reports are talking about how it looks like the Fed may actually raise rates at least once this year after all, because, hey, the U.S. economy and its labor market are still strong. Now, this is bizarro world to me, and it goes to show that people read into things what they want to. If you look at the minutes objectively, there's really nothing surprising here. The minutes pretty much confirmed what Powell and company said during and after the meeting. The minutes emphasized the central bank will exercise patience in raising rates and also signaled that its balance sheet reduction program will end soon. There is no indication of any change here, but for whatever reason, the financial media is sending out all of these mixed signals on the Fed. As for a rate hike this year, it ain't happening. It can't happen for reasons I have discussed at length. You can't push interest rates up in an economy built on debt. As I'm sure you know, last Friday, President Trump declared a national emergency so he can build his wall. Like Peter Schiff said on his podcast, the real national emergency is not that we haven't built a wall. It's building up the national debt. Let's recap. Just last week, the U.S. Treasury said the national debt has eclipsed the $22 trillion mark. 
When President Trump took office in January 2017, the debt was at $19.95 trillion. That's a $2.06 trillion increase in debt in just over two years. And this doesn't include liabilities like Social Security or Medicare or guaranteed bank deposits or student loans. Those are all contingent liabilities, but they're just as real and they're not even part of the national debt calculations. And yet, nobody seems concerned about this. The president didn't even mention the debt in the State of the Union address. According to a tweet by ABC White House correspondent Tara Palmieri, when asked if Trump was going to talk about the deficit, the president's chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, said, nobody cares. Well, I guess not. But at some point, people will care. Republicans will definitely care once a Democrat is in the White House, but that's just politics. Regardless, everybody is going to care if interest rates go up, and that's why the Fed can't let it happen. Regardless, we're getting these mixed signals from the financial pundits. Earlier this week, I saw some reporting in the mainstream that sounded an awful lot like Peter Schiff. Remember right after the last Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting, Peter Schiff said the Powell pause won't be enough to save the stock market and head off a recession. He said ultimately the central bank would have to cut interest rates and launch another round of quantitative easing. Well, just this week, before those minutes came out, Bloomberg ran an article asserting that instead of pausing, the central bank may need to start cutting interest rates to avoid a recession. Hmm. The article said, quote, the cyclical slowdown in growth that precipitated the plunge in stocks in the fourth quarter isn't about to end. So which is it? Is the Fed going to have to actually cut rates to ward off a recession? Or are we looking at rate hikes this year? This is the thing about the mainstream, particularly the financial media. These folks have to fill 24 hours with banter every single day. So most of the time, they're talking out of their butts. The real problem is they aren't operating off any real economic foundation. It's just emotion, whim of the day, whatever the news says. That's why we get all of these mixed messages. To really understand things, you have to look at the fundamentals. You have to have some kind of well-developed economic framework to hang all of the news and the data on. You can't just flitter around blown by the news of the day. If you understand business cycle theory, all of this is thoroughly predictable. Oh, but Mike, y'all have been saying this for years. Nothing has happened. You're like a stopped clock. Keep saying the same thing and you're going to be right. I hear this constantly. And yet none of the naysayers ever bring up alternative economic theory. They want to say, well, you haven't been right or the timing is wrong. But they never challenge the underlying economic theory. Now, I will grant you, understanding economic fundamentals doesn't give me a crystal ball. Now, I can't say thus and such is going to happen on this date, but I can see patterns. I can see the big picture. Again, the rate hike pause, the sudden talk of ending balance sheet reduction, all of this was completely predictable. All the way back in 2008, when the Fed started cutting rates and QE, this was predictable. In fact, Peter's been predicting it for years. Just consider this. Even though the mainstream has suddenly decided there might be a rate increase based on these Fed minutes, which I don't see, but regardless, it's clear from the minutes that the Fed intends to wind down balance sheet reduction. Now, remember back in September so long ago? This was on autopilot. What in the heck happened in just four months to justify a complete 180 in Fed policy? Well, the stock market tanked because the economy can't handle the tightening. 
So now think about this with me. They're ending QT, and the Federal Reserve balance sheet is still north of $4 trillion. If the reduction comes to an end this year, you're looking at a balance sheet between $3.5 and $4 trillion. In other words, almost all of the mortgages and treasuries that the Fed purchased as part of three rounds of quantitative easing are going to remain on the balance sheet, I guess forever. On top of that, the central bank is now talking about using quantitative easing, quote, more readily, and not just as a tool for emergency situations. Look, they see the writing on the wall. QE is going to be the only option when the next recession starts and interest rates are still at 2.25%. There's not a lot of room for the Fed to try to artificially stimulate the economy when it hardly has any room to reduce rates, so it's going to have to do QE. As Peter said earlier this week, all of this confirms what we've known all along. Quantitative easing is debt monetization. It's a permanent source of liquidity for the U.S. government, where the central bank just creates money out of thin air and uses that money to buy government debt. Now, you may not remember this, but when the Fed started QE in response to the Great Recession, then-Fed Chair Ben Bernanke assured Congress that the Fed was not monetizing the debt. He said the difference between debt monetization and the Fed's policy was that the central bank was not providing a permanent source of financing. He said the treasuries would only remain on the Fed's balance sheet temporarily. He assured Congress that once the crisis was over, the Federal Reserve would sell the bonds it bought during the emergency. Well, not so much. Okay, so what's next? Well, I just say keep your eye on the big picture. Don't get caught up in the punditry's mixed signals. And if you want a better grip on what all of this means for the precious metals markets, I recommend talking to a Shift Gold precious metals specialist. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. These guys understand the underlying economics, and they can give you a lot of insight into what is actually going on. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for both on the show notes page. And if you're listening on YouTube, please feel free to share your thoughts on this week's gold news in the comments section. We always like to hear your insights. So thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.